exciting for all the uh, Swing Thought nerds. It's been a while since that music's played, and uh, people who subscribe to our podcast have got to be going, oh, that's, that's a new Swing Thoughts. Oh, it's too much, really. What wonderful things will we learn today? I never know. Never know. There's uh, Coach Tim. Look at him. Looking good, too, man. Strong, virile, smart, empathetic. And uh, I am, of course, a golf spiritual leader. I don't know what I am. I'm here for you, though. I'm here for you. I've suffered so that you may uh, ascend as well. (laughs) It's uh, Swing Thoughts. The uh, 2nd of February is when we're recording this. I'm not sure exactly when it will be put up, probably in the next couple of days. Have we not? We've recorded one in January, though, didn't we? Uh, I'm just checking it. No, uh, December 31st. So this is our our debut episode in 2024. And I might add, it's also number 249. We're like one away from the 250 milestone. I am getting, well, we're all getting old, but I can tell you, I, if you had told me, if you had told me we recorded last week, I would have believed you. So this is, sorry, this is our first one of 2024. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the uh, the latest edition of Swing Thoughts. We're happy to have you guys with us. We feel grateful. I can say that on behalf of both of us, that mm-hmm. we have some audience and uh, we're still alive. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Gratitude around our mortality. And uh, listen, TaylorMade, we, we mentioned before yes. we did take the break that TaylorMade has come back. I was fit with the new QI10. Have you uh, had a chance to go to the lab yet? No, I have not. I, uh, I'm in the midst of being scheduled uh, to be fitted. Well, we're both fit to be tied, that's for sure. The new QI-10, every driver has an inertia number, Tim, and the higher the inertia number, this is where this comes from, this is the explanation, the more forgiving the driver. And now, golf is about to discover the first ever driver that combines tailor-made, I'm just going to kick into voiceover guy, that combines tailor-made speed with the forgiveness of 10K inertia. The all-new QI-10. More forgiveness means more long and straight drives, even on off-center hits. The days of missing the fairway are numbered. Get ready to experience your... Here's how I sounded as a kid. Get ready to experience your drives in 10K with the all-new QI10 only from TaylorMade. To learn more, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca There you go. There's my career in uh, 30 seconds. Well, well, we're certainly uh, proud, happy, and grateful to have TaylorMade on board uh, again this year and uh, have the privilege of uh, swinging their clubs and talking about it to uh, to our audience so really uh, looking forward to being fit and and continuing our partnership with them i also want to inquire um did you ever do any voiceovers for movie trailers um, um because i they always seem to start with the same thing in a world <laughs> And then, yeah, and then, then well, there's a famous uh, YouTube clip. If you want to see the guy, the in a world guy, he he, it's a, it's a thing that Seinfeld did for one of his movies about 20 years ago, where they had the guy in the studio, the in a world guy, and Seinfeld just kept trying to say, "No, I don't want that." But yeah, I did, I did, uh, I did a lot of voiceover back in the 90s and the early 2000s, before my kids. I, I, here, 
before I got tired of driving from Oakville to Toronto for auditions and, and before the advent of being able to do it remotely, I did a lot of it. I had a couple big clients at McDonald's for a while. I, I was never the in a world where land. I was never that guy, although I did that voice at the edge for a lot of concert stuff. Tonight at the Horseshoe, you will be amazed. The return of the loud and proud. Like I did that, but I was never like one of those guys. Uh, anyways, let's get started. Tim O'Connor, uh, great to have. I, I was just finishing this morning before we started recording. And, and this is kind of where I want to start with uh, you today. I, I read Tim's Substack, which is also one of your first. Uh, you hadn't done one in a while. Yeah, absolutely. I've been um, busy. At least that's my excuse. I've been working on editing uh, my Quiet Mind golf book. And how's that going? So it's going well. Um, it's uh, but it's amazing how long it takes. I mean, I the draft took a while to the the blast out, but. The rewriting part takes longer. You've written uh, stuff. You've written. You've written uh, a couple books. Um, it takes time to take that draft and and kind of whittle it down into something that's concise, makes sense, moves along, all that. So yeah, it just just takes a lot of hours. Well, and it's yeah. I, I mean, I did. I wrote one book, but mostly what I did is I took. They took audio that I had created and transcribed it and then edited it and made some funny remarks in it, but it was tedious Mm -hmm. and it's lonely and it's boring and you're, you know, it's, you have to be self-motivated and, you know, I guess that's why they give writers deadlines. But in this case, you, it's a self-imposed, is there a self-imposed deadline? Well, I was hoping to have this dang thing done, um, you know, initially last September and then by December. And it's not uh, as much as far as I can judge. <laughs> it's not a matter of not getting my ass in this seat. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of it just takes time. This it's a I just wrote and wrote and wrote. You know, I just tried not to put any kind of a um, formula together. I did have, you know, an outline of what I wanted to cover. So. I think I have enough for about three books, quite honestly. Um, but it's a matter of just getting it organized. And I just find I'm, I know I really revise a lot mm-hmm. and edit. And so it just, it just takes some time. So um, I guess the point to answer your question more directly is it just takes the time it takes to get these things whipped into shape. So, but I, I think that, um, at this stage, after I'm finished this edit, it's off to somebody else, and I'm going to distribute it to good folks like you and our friend Ken Osborne, and get some feedback from it, and then do one more uh, edit, and then um, then have someone polish it and get it the hell out there. Well, having just, I, it's funny you mentioned Kent because I uh, he was kind enough to share a copy of his latest book with me it's a small you know he 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 puts them out they're smaller books it's this is like i don't know how many pages it was 40 or 50 it's just, it's not quite the same but i got a chance to listen to to listen to i got a chance to read it made some suggestions a lot of it's just you know 
structuring sentences, but it's you. It's great having somebody else look at it. But I, we all look forward to it. And um, so anyway, that by way of saying, you put out a Substack today, which is what I wanted to talk about uh, to start with. And briefly, what I loved about the Substack uh, that Tim put out, and if you don't subscribe, you should. Uh, lots of people I know love it. My buddy Grant uh, thinks you're a fine writer, and, and he's right. But it's about a lesson you gave recently. And obviously, we don't talk a lot on this show or haven't traditionally talked a lot about swings and how swings are created. But I thought this would be a good jumping off point because I did want to talk about something to do with golf swings from a mental standpoint. And and your Substack, just like a lot of things with you and I, same with me and Fred, where, where I was, it just sort of met uh, something that I would already wanted to bring up. And it was like, oh, this is a perfect example of that. So maybe you can describe cool. this lesson you gave. And then I want to talk about what I felt reading it and how it ties into something I wanted to bring up anyway. Yeah, well, um, well, like a lot of students uh, who come to me, they think that there's something wrong with a golf swing. They're, 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 their hips aren't doing what they should do. Their elbows are in the wrong place, et cetera. And um, so they think that I'm going to fix them by telling them you know, what to do, especially with a body part. Um, but what I'm finding more and more is that um, it's more around what they're focused on and what they believe uh, that really does sort of impair them, if you will. And one of those things is the this fear or fixation on uh, about hitting the golf ball. There's this white thing. It sits there on the grass or on the mat, if you will. And it's like, to me, people get to the top of the backswing. It's like, dear God, please let me hit that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's this, and, if I may just interject quickly, there's an expression. I'm not sure if a lot of listeners have heard it. It's called being ball bound. 100%. Absolutely. So anyways, uh, what I see often with golfers is that, that they're so focused on the ball in essence, they don't swing through it to the target. They don't like, I like the way our friend Marty Chuck does it in his instruction videos. What he shows is like, we collect the ball on the way to swing into our target. So anyways, it was just about working with this guy made up a name for him, Frank. Um, and he's a lifelong athlete. And I said, you know, like when you play hockey or baseball or basketball, what were you focused on? Well, the net, the hoop, the outfield fence, I said, but in golf, it seems that you focus on the ball. And he goes, well, yeah, well, you have to hit the ball, don't you? You know, you got to make sure you hit the ball. And so, you know, he's had so many people say, you know, he's playing golf and he mishits a shot. And, hey, what I do? And, the, and you know, it's the old cliche people, well, you lifted your head. <laughs> and so, anyways, I just took him through, through a process of where, okay, let's – yes, the ball is involved, of course. But it's more in golf or – we're trying to use the golf club, the tool, to whack this ball to a target. Towards something, yeah. Towards something. Let me, get, let me so pop in again just for some clarification. Yeah. What Tim was talking about in terms of, I mean, I'm baseball, is an, it's analogous to baseball, but it's very, and, and this is what I loved in the Substack, because it's very analogous to a slap shot. So I shoot left in hockey and, I, and I'm right-handed in golf, but imagine a right-handed slap shot where... As your weight's transferring and your stick is going back, you're not focused on the puck for more than a second where your body, it's the proprioceptor system, it finds it in space, but you're looking 
out toward the, the net or wherever you're going to slap this puck. And you don't look at the puck while you hit it. And the other thing in the Substack that you, uh, and again, it's, I, I'm going to tell you why it resonated with me, is the David Duvall, Henrik Stenson, Annika Sorenstam swing. If you look at them at impact, their heads have started to turn yep. past the golf ball. Yeah, they're not looking at the golf ball. That's why it's it's so cool. Um, and and that's the thing. I love what you said about the proprioception. Like you're not going to miss the golf ball. I mean, there, there's actually um, studies shown by Joan Vickers, um, a kinesiologist who um, has done a lot of interesting work on the relationship of the eyes and sport performance. She says to a lot of golfers, they actually think they're looking at the ball, but their eyes are actually fixed fixed on sort of this space, maybe a foot above the ball. Mm-hmm. But anyways, golfers think that they have to, to make sure they hit the ball. They have to be looking at it. But again, hockey, basketball, you're not. You've, or certainly in baseball, we're holding the ball in our hands. But if you're the pitcher, what's your target? The, the catcher's mitt. And so in golf, the mistake people make is that the ball becomes the target. And the brain, the, the brain is in the body are absolutely brilliant. So if we're focusing on the ball, in essence, the brain goes, I have to hit that. <laughs> and, and that's why, by way, and, 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 I'm sorry, but I was going to say, that's why people's golf swings look like they, they and I, again, not too technical here, but it's why golf swings look like they stall at the golf ball. They stall. 100%. And they flip their hands. And, yep. you know, I could give you the laundry list, but it's because of being ball bound. And, and I, I want you to, if, I'm not to hurrying you along, but I want you to wrap up the story with the guy and how it was a revelation to somebody after 40 years of, of a certain way of hitting the golf ball. Yeah, well, um, what I had him do was because he's, he was a very high level softball player. I said, well, let's make some baseball swings, but with your wedge. So he got in his batting stance and he he swung and and you could hear the the golf club whoosh in the air with right. the speed and he just had this freedom that he didn't have in his golf swing when he was hitting a ball and what was really interesting too is that he'd get to his finished position after this baseball swing with his wedge and he'd be in full height balanced on his lead leg I mean he looked like a tour pro mm-hmm. and. He says, well, this feels really good. What's the difference? And I said, well, for one, the ball's not there. And you're swinging to a target. You're swinging out there. You're releasing your energy towards this target. Which makes a huge difference. So then I said, okay, here's the ball. Let's make some swings and focus on where you're going. You're out there towards the target. And it made such a difference. And, you know, he had more speed. He finished in more balance. The the sort of awkwardness or the labored quality of his swing wasn't there. Now, he didn't hit them all perfect, for gosh sakes. No, there's a long way to go. But just making that change in his focus or where he was paying attention just created a, a lot of good things, you know, uh, things that he didn't even need to think about. His his hips turned, his weight transferred from, right, yeah. all, all the good stuff happened because of a change in where he was paying attention and going. Man, there's so much in that that I, uh, I think is good stuff. And I can tell you from, you know, 
even at the, I was going to say my level, at the level I swing a golf club. You're a what, high level golfer. You just, we could just say that. Okay. So <laughs> at, at the level I swing a golf club, when I find myself having some trouble making good contact, it always comes down to that. You know, I remember a tournament I played a couple of years ago at Cherry Hill. And I uh, was struggling the day before on the range. I was hitting balls with a, one of the kids at my club who's like a plus three. Four, actually, one, no, he's a former, uh, you know him, Wes. Wes Gill. Oh, oh, Wes Gill. Oh, my gosh. One, yes. of, your, one of your team, uh, kids on your team at Guelph. So Wes, and he's also, I like Wes for a lot of reasons. He's a good kid, a great golfer, but he's a good student of the game. So we're hitting balls. And I'm like, man, I'm just struggling. And he said, and he said you know, it looks like you're just too focused at the golf ball. I, and, and I said, well, take, I took some video and sure enough, which is an old habit of mine, is to stay down too long. Just yep. put a pin in that for a second. Anyone listening, anytime somebody tells you that you're lifting your head, the reason that's bullshit is you're not really lifting your head. What you're doing is you're lifting your body up. Anytime you thin a ball or you don't compress it, it's because your body is extending versus compress versus compressing or as, as sheds would say putting chest chest pressure on the golf ball because mm-hmm. it's in the it's in the pressuring down that gives you compression so again it's not and you you said it perfectly and it's like you you uh, we have this perception that we we need to look at it anyway so that's that was a sunday on a monday i played at cherry hills i i, I hit the ball so good that day I finished second in that tournament, which is a big deal for me. I beat uh, a bunch of big players, Ashley Chinner, Bunker. Mm. There was a lot of people in that tournament. I finished second. I played great, but it was how I, the freedom around hitting the golf ball is what I remember. And whenever I find myself being ball bound, I remind myself that I need to, what feels like getting your head it's 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 a rotation of your head it's not just you know looking up at the target it's letting your head rotate as the club goes back to the golf ball so why did this also resonate with me is this because what we're describing and this is what a lot of people don't get about the golf swing and why i'm not surprised that you're a good golf swing coach because the funny thing about the game is we're, we, we all have this perception, I think, and, I, and you hear it all the time, that it's muscle memory, mm-hmm. that you need to dig it out of the dirt, that you need to hit a thousand golf balls. And, and some of that is true. But I want to hear, I have a theory about muscle memory and how I think it's bullshit. And, and the reason I think it is, is because your muscles don't have memory. Anything you do, if you and I go to shake hands, it's not because we've shaken hands a million times. It's because a signal sent from our brains to that appendage and we make that motion. Mm -hmm. So trying to practice your muscles into remembering how to hit a golf ball, I think is, is is, is not the pathway to improvement. Because if you don't understand the concept of hitting a golf ball, the, the idea of what you're trying to do, get the, the giving your brain the information, I don't believe you can, I don't think you'll ever be able to, because digging it out of the dirt is with information that's correct. Mm-hmm. Not like, because listen, you know, if you have a, if you don't, if you're the guy that you were teaching, Frank, if Frank doesn't understand what you told him, he could be there for the next 40 years of his golf life and never make any meaningful improvements. Your thoughts? Well, 
I mean, it's like so digging out of the dirt. A lot of people would say they fixate on their on their golf swing. I, me- I remember when we had that great Scottish uh, guy on our show, Wendell McQuaid, and he says, you know, you could focus on keeping your right knee flexed, and you might do really well in a competition on keeping your right knee flexed. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But that has zero to do with hitting this little white thing towards the target. So I always bring it back to intent. What's your intent? And the intent is uh, on a drive, I'm going to hit maybe a little fade out there to the left center of the fairway. Okay. Then you've given the the brain and body some really good information to, to act from. That's the intent. But one of the things I do pretty well, every lesson that I start with a new client, I'll just have a thing where, um, I'll have them stand in one spot and I will be almost like an NFL sort of receiver, if you will. And just say, let's just play catch. And they just, I just walk around, put my hand up, put it down and they throw it to me and they get it to me every time. Perfect. All the time. And I always ask them, how'd you do that? I go, well, I have no idea. (laughs) And what we settle on, he says, well, what was your, what was your intent? Well, it was to throw you the ball. So I said, so I was what? The target? Yeah, you were the target. So if we start with that as what's our intent in mm-hmm. golf was well, to send this ball over here. Then we can start, then the body, to use the uh, great phrase, our friend um, from Ireland, of course, his name escapes me. Um, Ed? Dr. Ed. Then the body self-organizes. Yes. And the more, so the more that, now where you get into the muscle memory part is, is, is kind of a different way of saying building skill. Well, well and, 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 and based and I, on your intent, you build skill on how to do that better. I'm not saying that your muscles don't self-organize after multiple repetitions. What I'm saying your is your brain works. Your, so, yeah, but what I'm saying is if you if you don't know, see, see, I think a lot of because this is why I love the Substack. Substack. It's because it's an example of a player, a, a golfer who doesn't doesn't know you're not supposed to keep your head down, to, or because even it was even more than because his whole focus is hitting is the club going on the golf ball, mm-hmm. and the problem with that is like I ex- expressed when you were saying it, like there's so much interrupting of motion by doing that. Right, it would be imagining a baseball batter. Uh, only focusing on the moment the ball is right in front of them. It would be like, that's why when, when batters are late, they balk or they hit it on the, hit, hit it close to the handle or they block it to the right or they hit it foul right. That's what a golfer does. A, a lot of golfers do. You know, I, I was, uh, I played for the first time yesterday and people, I, I haven't mentioned I'm back in Mexico. And I played yesterday with one of the kids I've met here at the golf club. It's PGA Riviera Mai. It's an amazing golf course. And he's a great kid and down here with his girlfriend for a couple of years working at the golf course. And so we went out yesterday afternoon. But first, we hit some balls. And, you know, he's okay. He's probably a 15 handicap. And, but everything he hit was to the right, to the right, to the right. But, but, but he hit it okay. And I just said to him a couple of things. I said, well, part of the reason is... You know, you think about the geometry of a ball that goes to the right. It's because the club face is that's what's that's where it's pointed. That's right. At impact. Now, why is it pointed that? And I said, well, part of it is where the ball is positioned and no one had ever shown him 
where moving the ball back or forth in your stance affects the geometry of the of the ball flight. But the thing I got him to do, and he'd never felt before, funny use use the baseball analogy. I said, I need you to take your pitching wedge at at belt high. And I need you to feel that you turn it over completely, like just completely twist the face, completely turn it toe over heel. He'd never felt that before in his golf swing. Most cool. golfers, most golfers never feel that in their golf swing. But there's something, you know, years ago, I read the instruction that the, the golf ball isn't the golf club isn't closed at impact. But it's closing at impact. Exactly. And in order for it to be closing, it had better start closing the second you go that 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 club starts returning to the ball, which is why most people slice the ball because their perception and I'm going to wrap up soon. Their perception is the, the face needs to return how it sort of started. Mm hmm. But it and that's why their face is always open and cutting across produces side spin, which produces that slice. Right. I know it was swing thought nerds. This is the longest Tim and I've ever talked about the golf swing. But I think it's important because it has to do with the mental Absolutely understanding of what a golf swing kind of should be. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's like, where are you going? What's the point of this? And if the point is hitting the ball out there, then the body will do, well, I mean, yes, you need to develop skill. You can't just take someone who's never played golf before, give them a club and say, hit it there. And, you know, there, there are all kinds of things are going to happen. But over time with, and, and that's why coaching helps you just speed your process yeah. up a little bit of, of improvement. You'll start to understand that if you're, if the idea, you start with a concept, we use a tool, a club to send, the white thing to somewhere else, then a lot of good things naturally happen. And that's why people always tell me, well, what about my hips? I says, your hips are fine. Just don't worry about your hips. If you swing to the target, your hips are going to turn. They're going to, they're going to go. And you know, when you, when and you and I were going to transfer, when you and I were kids, right. nobody ever taught me. Um, I never had any instruction. I played some little league baseball when I was a kid. I played a lot of hockey as a kid, but I never, I never batted. I can see it in my mind. I never batted where I, I felt like I needed to hold the bat open through the strike right. of the ball. You're yeah. always trying to, to, to turn that, to turn it over and swing through it. And, and this kid yesterday, great kid, Sergio. And um, I said, you know, and a couple times he got it. And he said, wow, that felt, feels so different. And I said, because it's, it's, it's something you would naturally do in a lot of other sports. But for some reason in golf, because of, well, I don't know, because we, like you started off by saying, we need to feel, we feel, we need to look at the ball. And that's where we're trying to, that's where we're trying to hit the ball. We're trying to mush the club into the ball somehow. Well, what, I'm, what I want to ask you is, what do you think Sergio's belief was? Because that's the thing that makes to me so much of the difference. See, the way we act in golf as we act in the world and our relationships is based on our belief system. This is right. This is wrong. This is what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to do this. And so that's what Frank in my, his belief system was you have to look at the ball to hit it. And that's what, that's what colors our, our actions in the world is how we perceive the world based on our beliefs. So what do you think? If you had to guess, 
Sergio's belief was. I believe that, and, and I can see it. I can see it from the first couple of swings. I think he believes that you need to have the face in the same position that it started, and then he scoops it into the air. There you go. Yeah. Like, I think he feels that his belief was that the club somehow lifts it magically. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you where his golf ball was, it was so far forward. Like I said to him when we got to the range yesterday, I said, tell you what, hit 10 balls and I won't look. And then once we warm up, let me know when you're ready. And the first couple of balls I looked at him hit, his golf ball is so far forward, he has no yeah. chance of having a descending blow into the golf ball. Anyway, again, I, I, I sort of wanted to say, I, I, this, I, I think this is valid for a show called Swing Thoughts because mm-hmm. I think it has a lot to do with where we start off with our understanding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll just be, in wrapping up this segment, it's really interesting that when you're playing with a novice golfer, you'll see, as you, the word, phrase you used earlier was scoop the ball, because they have a belief mm-hmm. that they have to help the ball in the air. And once you talk to them and actually show them, well, in fact, that's it's the exact opposite of what happens. It's just as you said, when the club, the club is amazingly designed. When it comes down on the ball, it, it hits down on the ball and it continues down through the turf and the ball rolls up. And with the loft, it goes in the air. Mm-hmm. That's what gets in the air. And then, then they go, oh, and you've just changed their belief system. So th- that's why it's that's why it's why a coach or a you know someone who's an experienced player can can help someone else just in terms of understanding s- some concepts. Well, and you know we don't I, I, we don't. I wanted to get to one more subject before we so we got some time. The other thing that I think a lot of golfers and maybe you've seen this and I've certainly seen it conceptually. And I have a little bit of it in my swing some, from time to time. But, you know, we all hear about the plane of the swing. And we've all mm-hmm. seen maybe the, that weird training aid you see. It's called, I think it's called, uh, it's like an ups, it's like an, a big circle. I can't remember. That. It's, it's oh, called, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called the adjuster. You don't see them that much anymore. But, but they were around Hogan, for a long, yeah, Hogan's the plane. Hogan image? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What is that thing called? Anyway, but a lot. So some painted glass. Yeah, painted glass, Hogan's plane. So people have, a, they, they at least have, or you'll see people with a hula hoop. Mm-hmm. So I know that's not an unfamiliar concept, but I believe that most people misconstrue the idea because what they want to do is they want to send the ball on a linear path toward the target, which is why, again, their, their club face is opened through impact because they think they're supposed to, they think their job is to, yes, send it to the target. But what happens is you swing in a circle and it's that, there, it's only, Mo used to talk about, oh, you know, I, I have the, the straightest line past the ball of anyone in golf, but he still swung to the left through the ball. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, what Mo talked about and what he did were miles apart. Right. Mo Mo was an artist. He didn't. I mean, that club, just like you talked about earlier, that club is coming from down through your downswing, and it's closing, and it hits that you know, it hits that back sort of right quadrant of the ball, and it just turns, and and that's that's why from a if you if you put a really good swing on the ball from a square stance you're going to draw the ball because it hits that rear 
quadrant right and it spins it i mean and, and, and if you're not getting this uh stds think about this if you put a a hula hoop on the ground and you stood in the middle of it the ball is in is in it's only straight for one little part of that hula hoop your club is coming exactly. in from the inside on that on that circle it goes straight for a nanosecond and then it heads left what I'm trying to say is a lot of golfers try and not just scoop it, but they're trying to send it straight for too long. Their club yeah, is going I'm, straight for too long, which does all those things. Opens the face, spins it, gives it side spin. So that concept, again, for most people listening, it's not new, but that concept in your golf swing really makes a difference because now you're basically swinging in a more... I don't want to say ergonomic, but a more efficient manner. And again, it's one of those things where if you don't understand that concept, you'll never, you'll never draw the ball because you'll never get the club exiting left. Again, I know we're doing a lot of instruction, I but, know, but, but I, it's huge. Just, but, but I love, I, I love when you introduced me that phrase from shed uh, late last year, the ball is the end of out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, and so when you, I love the way you created that uh, image with the hula hoop and the ball, you know, because it just, that's the end of it. It hits the ball and it goes, it's going left. It's not going out. That's why Mark is brilliant because that phrase alone, oh, yeah. if, you're a, if you're a nerd like us and you understand golf swings, you just think about it. Yes, everyone wants to come, you know, have, a, have an inside to out golf swing. But at the point of the golf ball, you've got, you've got to stop going out. It's it's only going out and straight for a fraction. It's going mm-hmm. out and then in. And Mark, you know, Mark's again, he's brilliant at that kind of thing. It's not it's but not everyone will grab that. But if if you go out longer than the golf ball, you are going to hold that face open. Mm-hmm. And I can and tell you. Why, just, yeah. no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's why making baseball type swings yes. is really helps you because you're 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 experiencing freedom you're not trying to steer it anymore you're not trying to keep the face open you're not trying to hit it straight you just swing and because the the club is so ingeniously designed it's going to do what it it's going to do to hit that ball in the way that you closer to the way you desire well and think about what you said about like the baseball swing is such a great analogy because it swings around you Yes, it doesn't. You don't swing a baseball out, out, out toward the pitcher. You basically the, it, it's it's straight at the golf ball for a sec at the baseball as it's swinging inside. And it's one of those things. Again, I don't want to overload people, but it is really like one of those circle. things. It's worth investigating back to the mental side of the game, because mentally it's a it's a concept that if you get it a little bit, it can really change how you put the face of the club or, or understand the face. What I was going to say is when I want to cut a golf ball, I let it go out for a little bit longer. I just, mm-hmm. I just yep. have the end of out just past the golf ball. I was going to say something else and then I forgot. Oh, I know what it was. I think I've said it on the show before, but there's a great old saying in golf. I think I'm, I think I may have said this a couple shows ago, but the path sends the golf ball the face bends the golf ball the phrase is the path sends it the face bends it and if you don't get the face bending part which is my friend yesterday had never felt the face turning Mm -hmm. over through impact 
you can I don't care what your path is. It's if you keep if you don't understand that baseball, and that's why that baseball swing is such a great teaching aid. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm in Mexico. I'm in a place called uh, Puerto Aventuras, which is uh, on the right, Mayan Riviera. It's uh, halfway between Playa del Carmen and Tulum. Those are some places people may have heard of. I'm about an hour south of Cancun, another place people have heard of. And just south of Cancun, uh, starting today started a couple of days ago but the uh, tournament starts today is the first live event of 2024 at Mayakoba Ooh. which is where they used to play a PGA Tour event mm-hmm. and uh, this happened last year when I was here and I had less than zero interest in going but guess where I'm going to be on Sunday Uh, sipping coffee at a Mexican. No, you're going to be. I can. I'll tell you why. Watching John. Rom John Rom, and, dude. And Terrell Hatton. Uh, John and uh, listen. John Rom, as I mentioned a few shows ago, when he went over, has changed it. Has changed everything about it for me. Along a lot of things have changed. I mean, even McElroy has softened it. They've had this big PGA Tour injection of money. There's some kind of live PGA Tour partnership coming. But John Rom was somebody that I like for for the longest time with Liv. You could say, oh, you know, it's a bunch of washed up guys and Taylor Gooch and who gives a shit. And I could care less if I ever saw DeChambeau play again and whatever. Yeah. But Terrell Hatton, world number sixteen. John Rom, one of the best players on planet Earth, and the fact that there won't be like there won't be very many people there Sunday. It's not going to yeah. be like being at a tour event where those guys, like you go to a tour event where there was John Rahm, uh, D- Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, and now Terrell. It would be overloaded. But I, I know from my friend Sergio, who works at this golf course, he said, you know, it, you, I said, will I be able to get up close? He goes, because he's been there. He said, you, you won't believe it. I mean, I think Rom's going to bring more people, but mm-hmm. it, won't by, it won't be like being at a big tour event. So that's what I'm looking forward to. It. I'm going to walk around with Rom for four or five holes and see what it's all about that would be cool that would be really cool i mean i've never i don't think i've no i've never seen john rom in person hit a golf ball that would be something else just the sound of it um just to witness the speed etc that's cool and what are your thoughts now that uh this sort of the tour isn't going anywhere and there's been all this other stuff all these other partnerships and new agreements and and what do you think now well i gotta admit like i i think a lot of people i barely understand what's going on in terms of what the players now have what uh this equity thing um i don't really and i don't know if it means that the that the uh pending agreement well the agreement with it's pif right is that, yeah. is that the acronym yeah the the acronym uh, the the whether that's actually going to happen now I don't know, um, but uh, I still don't like where golf is going at all. I think it's just in a, a state of disarray. And Jerry Tardy wrote a really nice piece in uh, Golf Digest uh, saying, in, in essence, that golf is broken. And I just tend to agree with him. So we'll see what happens. But it's just it it's just kind of when I when I read it and, and the. You know, I see all these people are involved, these, you know, baseball owners and whatnot. I, I don't know. I just get more and more sort of um, feel more and more distant 
A little melancholy for the old days and the way things used to be. I know. Yeah, yeah. I think. I, yeah, I wonder. Would, would like you that. feel that way? I know a lot of people feel that way. Would we feel that way? Because I did. I did initially. Would Would we feel have felt that way if we were thirty four and thirty five instead of sixty four? You know, six. Exactly. <laughs> Can't answer that. You can only see things through, and and I feel some of that now. I feel less of it though, because what I think is going to happen is there will be they're they're heading toward a world tour where the very best players play against each other a bunch more times and then everything else is just a version of the corn fairy tour yeah no i i get it and, and before i lose this thought because i'm of a certain age and i lose my thoughts very easy uh, <laughs> is is i agreed big time this week with a tweet from colin morikawa and uh, it wasn't just a tweet. It was a summation of his remarks at uh, Pebble. And he was saying that, you know, if he's a young person, to him, like you, you say, uh, you know, to millennials or people in their 30s or whatever, uh, golf's just not that very exciting. It, it It's more Carol was saying that so when you watch a broadcast, it's like mostly watching guys try and putt. Yeah. And you're not seeing you're not seeing shots made. And there's just. The 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 networks and and TV that maybe and, and the PGA Tour the DP Tour etc. They're not really delivering a very exciting product, and I think that my hope is that this whole thing where we're at now is going to lead to 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 something more exciting that we can uh, watch on TV. Because I, I agree, you know, the the majority of us that's how you that's who you uh, ingest, if you will. professional golf you know i was at a dp world tour event in 2017 and pelly was still there he's you know keith pelly is now come back and coming back to canada to run maple leaf sports and entertainment but there was a real off the golf course there was a real i'd never been to a tour event for a long time and there was like parties and games and uh, music being played and there was a skills competition with some of the players that I got to be near and and I think what Liv is trying to do and, and, and think about it again I mean we're both in our 60s we're, we're it's it's not appealing to us because it's not the PGA Tour of your and Ben this guy well, who's that I used to love that guy on, on CBS Ben um, oh uh, yeah Oh yeah, Ben. Ben Wright. Ben Wright. You know, it's not and, that uh, Peter uh, Alice. Yeah, it's not the austere broadcast. And they've got music playing, and it's a fifty-four. And by the way, I still think it's a. It's a. They got to get it past fifty-four holes because that still is the thing for me that is my biggest sticking point about it. But my point is, and it has been for a while, I think, that I can't relate to it the same way I find a lot of things. My, both of my kids are in their 20s, so are yours. A lot of things in their world, I do. I have to have them explain it to me. And I'm a pretty current guy. I do a I know. fun well, little like, show. Did your, kids ever, <laughs> did your kids ever show you, like, fail videos? Oh, yeah. You know, and I, I would just see that go, I'm not watching that. I'm not going to watch nice people get hurt. Exactly. I don't like that. But, but so in a, world, <laughs> in, a, in a world where we're old and no longer valid. So in this world, I mean, we, Jerry Tardy, who I also enjoy his writing, but he's an old fucking guy. What is Jerry? Here's the thing about Jerry Tardy. He knows golf, but he doesn't know golf through the lens, as you just said, through the lens yeah. of a 20-something or 30-something dude. 
Well, because that's who they're trying to appeal it appeal to. Well, how did Tardy start his column? He talked about the first book I remember my dad reading was Situation Golf by Arnold Palmer. Mm-hmm. The first golf tournament I remember watching was the 1972 U.S. Open. <laughs> I mean, I totally get it. I mean, it's like I still find it weird at Blue Springs on men's night that I go to the range and they got Freebird rocking on the on the speakers. Same just, with that's, me. That's still weird to me. Yep, me too. I took uh, 10 plus years off of golf. And as I've mentioned, when I came back, I left in 2005. I came back in around 2013. I had never seen two things. I'd never, uh, two things, I shouldn't say never, but two things had changed drastically. One was everybody had a range finder because when I left, no one did. Yeah, yeah. And guys were playing music on the golf course. I it was just, it was just so foreign to me as a concept. Yeah. Like, hey, where do you stand on untucked shirts? Well, the Oscar Bravo shirts look pretty good untucked. I listen, man. I I I'm a different guy in Mexico. I wear a hat I would never wear up north. I wear this floppy tilly hat. I'll send you a picture of it. And I wear my shirt untucked because it's so freaking hot. But the Oscar Bravo shirts definitely look pretty good untucked. They do. They do that. They're that right length. <laughs> but you're making. We're making this point. Like live and I'll, and I'm I'm looking forward to it for a variety of reasons. Like it will be a chance to experience this thing that I have been shitting on for a year, like a lot of guys my age. And it will also be, like I said, John Rom was the turning point, the inflection point for me with Live was him. And you read. So I don't know if you read comments from Rory McIlroy earlier this week. There's a real softening because Mm -hmm. I think those guys all now recognize that it ain't going anywhere and they want to play against those guys. They know that John Rahm, like at first you could be like, again, who cares about Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter and I could name them all and Patrick Reed. And if I never see Patrick Reed hit another golf ball, that's fine. But, But when Rom went and DeChambeau went and Brooks go. I mean, those are guys that Rory McIlroy knows he needs to play against for mm-hmm. his legacy. Well, here, here's where I'm going to go with this. I'll try to be mercifully brief. Um, when things happen that, are, in essence, are disruptive, uh, naturally, we're not going to like it. We don't like change. Um, and so often we'll just kind of have this knee-jerk reaction. That's wrong. Or whatever. But invariably, um, I remember seeing a speech and a guy said, the things that creep us out the most are the things that make the most impact. So you think AI, et cetera, we creep out at that. But once we get to better understand things, then we kind of go, oh, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's happening with live. And people are starting to understand what's, what's at play here a little bit more. So I, I I just think that um, you can see why Rory would soften as he gets to understand and and kind of understand his own say knee jerk reactions and all of that. Once we take the emotion out of out of things, we tend to see them a little bit clearer because we get some distance from them. Totally agree, and it is human nature. I mean, learning new stuff is a drag, and sometimes when things are presented to us, especially as we age. We're like, I don't want to, like, when we started talking on the Humble and Fred show a lot about AI last year, and I said, I don't want to, do I have to learn something new? I don't, I mean, all I know about AI is Arnold Schwarzenegger at some point in the future is going to come back and try and kill everybody. Have we, I said to my buddy Dan, I said, have we learned nothing from Terminator about AI? But a lot of it is. Will Smith movie. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. A lot of it is just laziness and the aversion. You know, one of the reasons most people's Perfect favorite word. songs, and I know this from being a disc jockey, one of the reasons people, you know, oldies stations and are, are so popular is because, you know, at a certain age, usually in your late teens, early 20s, you start, you stop adopting new music in your life because it becomes less important in your teenage years. It's so important. And exactly. Th- and, and I remember interviewing Dave Hodge, a great sports guy from uh, the, oh, the gosh, television. Gosh. And this was when we were on the edge back in the uh, late nineties, early two thousands. We used to have Hodge come on our show kind of cool. You know, like they, and it was, we always were fascinated that a guy at his age at that time, whatever it was, we were in our thirties. He would have been in his, you know, late forties. I said, Todd, you know, he loved music that we played on the edge. And I said, Dave, why is that? Why do you keep up with new music? He said, well, I like, excuse me. He said, I like new restaurants and I like new movies. So why wouldn't I continue to like new music? But that was the exception for, for people, because as you just said, it's like, we're like, ah, I don't want to hear this new song by the whatever. I, I can't, you know, I don't want to hear it. It's one of the reasons people are, I don't want to get into it now about Taylor Swift, but one of the things that bothers oh, people gosh, about yes. Taylor yep. Swift is that she's, I, I, don't, I don't know her. A lot of guys, a lot of guys in the pushback on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey is just so ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, to your we, point, it's about being aversion, the aversion to new things. Yeah. And it, <laughs> Yeah, where I go with that is that we want to control, we want control over our lives. We want, as our right. friend George Durrani said years ago, we all want comfort. So whatever comes along is like, okay, I feel good about this. It it makes me forget about my bullshit that's going on or the argument I had with my spouse in the morning or something. I don't know. It's just, we don't like to, because it takes effort. It takes effort to pay attention to something. And actually listen and and hear and and so we don't like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a it's a strange strange phenomenon. Um, but I hate it. You know, as someone who plays in a band, uh, yeah, the, our band plays music that's forty years old. I mean, stuff from you know seventy seven, early eighties. Um, but I I love hearing. So my son Sean is. Just turned 28, and he comes over, and we'll have some beers, and he'll start playing some of his stuff. And there's some amazing music out there, amazing music. So when people say, well, there's no good music anymore, yeah. I went, well, I guess in this, when you listen to just one silo all the time. <laughs> I, I love the fact that I, I worked at an alternative radio station well into my 40s. And even now, I, I have Sirius XM on my phone. I have it as an app. My one of my favorite channels is Lithium, which is alternative music from from nowadays. And as I said to Fred the other day, we were talking about this. I said, even though I don't know those songs like I would if I was still introducing them every day, I know the feel of them. And so the genre is familiar to me. That doesn't mean I don't like Steely Dan and Tom Waits and Randy Newman and songs from yesteryear. But I'm okay. I can I can hear new music and not. Blanche or whatever, like make a face because that genre is, resonates with me. Yeah. And that and being said, I'm not the same, by the way, with pop music. I'm not a huge, I don't really know a lot of the new stuff. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, me too. There's all kinds of people I read are, are, are up for Grammys. Who's that? Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I, I just have zero idea. But unfortunately, part of it, it's the uh, it's the, the music industry. Uh, it's way more profitable to recycle all this old shit. And uh, so we don't get access to as much new stuff because the particularly the algorithms just send us the old stuff. So, well, and then maybe we can finish uh, the episode today by coming full circle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Oh. In terms of back to our original discussion about how our brains mentally can make us better golf swingers. And one of the things that happens to golfers, good ones and new ones, is we're a, a, is our aversion to learning something new because it mm-hmm. feels uncomfortable. And we always, what is that, what's that phrase? You resort to the norm or re, re, resort to the mean. It's just much easier and as I even said this to this kid, I'm not sure if this ever happens in a lesson with you, but I even said to him, by the way, I want you to know you never have to change what you're doing and you can enjoy this game of golf. Absolutely. Well, I say to people, people come to me and they generally buy a series of lessons and, and uh, every once in a while they go like, oh my gosh, this is, this might be hard. And I said, well, you've invested your time and you've invested your money. So you're, you're here for a reason. And so you want to grow or develop, then it's going to take some effort on your part. But the reason they've made the investment is that they want to change. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good for it. I'm along, I'm along with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, there's, there's a lot of, still a lot of people. I had a, a guy come to me. I mean, he's uh, 71 years old and uh, he comes to me and he, he initially him and his buddy were going to come. And uh, I said, does the, the buddy, um, does the buddy figure, uh, you know, he, he's a good enough golfer? He says, ah, I just doesn't want to change. Yeah, that's it for a lot of, <laughs> well, we've talked about this. I, I, one of my favorite things I learned in 2023 was the phrase or the concept that lots of people are interested in getting better, but not everyone's committed to it. There you go. Love that. Yep. And because it's, again, bringing it all back is we're, we, as human beings, we don't like change. And when we find out that change is hard, we're like, ah, maybe I, maybe I just, and and what I love was when I'm talking to somebody and I tell them something and then three swings later, they're like, oh, I'm not, I, they give up on it. But I, 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 and that's fine because one one of the things I will say that, that uh, my buddy Paul Henrik told me recently, that's very, very true. You can't use what happens to the golf ball as evidence of if you're getting it or not. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you'll be making this change in your golf swing and the perception of your golf game or your golf swing. And the golf ball won't do what you think it's supposed to do. So immediately we go back to what we did before. And I can tell you the other day I went to the range by myself. I have a little tripod. I hit, and I taped this, I'm so tedious, took me two hours. I hit three balls, taped, I taped three swings, went and looked at it, went back, hit three more, went and looked at it. Again, I know I'm OCD, but I got more out of that range session because I wasn't guessing if I was, if I was doing what I thought I was doing. That's deliberate practice. Exactly. It's also an obsessive asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, ah, it's funny, funny bit, but um, that's who gets better. People who are dedicated, you could use the word obsessed, those are the people who achieve mastery in anything. They put in the hours, 
but they're putting in their time in a way it's it's like um it you don't get better putting 10,000 hours of doing something any old way you don't get better you you get better putting 10,000 hours in doing it the right way and the only way you can do that is by getting feedback uh yeah. could be from the golf ball but but you know it could be from trackman or video is is going and saying okay that's still not where i want it to be go back do it right and eventually you start to make progress well i can tell you i've i've been using video a lot more the last couple of years but when i practice now like warming up is different like yesterday i warmed up i don't know i hit maybe 15 or 20 balls and then we went and played nine holes it's funny i have my first nine holes of 2024 i birdied the second fifth and eighth holes but I also double bogeyed the first, <laughs> the first, fourth, and ninth. Like I was, it was a funny round for me because I was either like hitting yeah. it in the jungle or hitting it to a foot and a half. It was pretty. It was, it was actually funny. I'm like three doubles and three birdies, and then a couple of bogeys and a par. But um, when I practice now, I really want to make sure because there's a couple only small things I'm working on, and I want to see as though I were coaching myself because the golf ball will lie to me good and bad. By the way, I hit a lot of good shots where mm-hmm. I go back and look at it and I'm like, ah, I didn't quite do what I wanted to do. It was just my old oh, swing that, got in there somehow. Well, that's cool. I mean, um, I, I think there was a move away from video a little bit in the last few years with the technology, you know, your club path, you're getting, you know, these launch monitors, TrackMan, Foresight, et cetera, you know, club pass, smash factor, club face angle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's the real stuff you need to be looking at. But I think that when you see the position of your body, uh, you know, at certain places, the how you're moving, uh, video can be huge. I've uh, I've been videotaping myself this year, and um, I find it's, it's a big help. It's kind of a, a both and. Yeah, I, sometimes I find it a bit, I know there's a joke about when you watch your video, you were your swing on video, it's like, you know, seeing yourself make love, it's pretty, you, you know, you're not as good as you think you are, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, you think you're doing great and then all of a sudden you're like, well, really, is that how, is that how my club looks in at impact? It's not great. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> You know, and and what I find fascinating the other day, like, again, the golf ball will lie, you know, not just by hitting it poorly. Lots of times I thought, okay, well, there I've done it. So, you know, and and what I do is I say to my I say to the camera after a really good one, I'll go, okay, that one, I just roasted that one. And then I'll go and look and thinking, okay, I've I've made the change. And then you look at it and you're like, "Mm, not really. It's just your old swing finds a way to get the club on the ball. Uh, Thanks very much to uh, Tim O'Connor today. O'Connor.ca and the sub stack is back. And someday soon we're going to be talking about Quiet Mind Golf and available wherever you uh, get uh, books. Uh, Tim is available for uh, coaching both uh, corporately and uh, privately. Did I miss anything? Uh, well, how about you? Are you still coaching decade, uh, being of uh, help to the golfers everywhere in terms of uh, I have a very <laughs> skills and expectations, et cetera, et cetera? You know, I will. I have a very exclusive clientele now. It's uh, it's a very, very, it's whittled down to two. 
But uh, I am available if anyone uh, wants to have a conversation about uh, course management. I'm happy to help. Uh, I also want to thank again our returning sponsor for 2024, TaylorMade Golf and the all-new QI10. Get ready to experience your drives in 10K. To learn more, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Humble and Fred Show is off uh, next week, the week of the the sixth, I guess. But I want to alert everybody if we ha- if we get this show up this weekend on Monday. On Monday the sixth, Fred and I did a. Uh, I'm trying. What I'm trying to. I can see you counting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just nodding your head. What is it? Monday the. It is the sixth. See, I see. Claro. On lunes, uh, febrero says Fred and I talked to. Dave Thomas of SCTV. We did a 45-minute interview with him. Oh, wow. Great guy. Great stories. And we're going to run that because uh, we're off. Freddie and I are off next week. Fred's traveling, and I've got a buddy in town. And so we're gonna, it's a re, if, you're, if you're a Humble and Fred uh, show fan, check it out on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get them. It's a really cool talk. Dave's a very interesting guy, and uh, we think it's an interesting story, uh, interesting show. Can I ask you a quick question? Yes, sir. Did you ever interview Getty Lee? I haven't interviewed Getty. I've met him, though. Yeah, I just I, I watched a, a documentary from 2010 the other day, and he's got his uh, his book up, My Effing Life. And people tell me, even though I wasn't the hugest uh, Rush fan, that it's a must read. Now, yeah. so. well, I, I, you know, I've interviewed Alex Lifeson um, several times and played golf oh, okay. with Alex. I played In that golf documentary, they just come off as the nicest and goofiest yeah, and Alex. most Canadian guys you ever met. Alex is very Alex is very goofy and also another super golf nerd. Uh, as are many of our listeners, and we appreciate you all. Uh, coming up next will be episode 250, 250. And we'll see you next time. Shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park But meantime Sound of the river, you're stopping your hold Everything